0: hello and welcome to the moonshots podcast i'm your co-host mike parsons and as always i'm joined by the man himself mr mark Pearson freeland good morning mark
1: hey good morning mike good morning listeners good morning subscribers good morning everybody who's come along to learn a little bit more about themselves as well as mike the idea of servant leadership
0: it is a bit of a mega series in here. On episode two hundred and forty-nine, we are raising the temperature on leadership.
1: Ooh, Mike, it's getting hot in here because, as our listeners are regular woo, listeners, will know, we're off the back of a James C. Hunter episode on the servant. For our members, we're off the back of a master series episode on certain leadership. We've also just gone through the process with Simon Sinek, Patrick Lencioni, but today we're digging into one of our all time favorites on the Moonshot Show, Miss Brené Brown, whose book Dare to Lead is the topic for episode 249. And Mike, surprisingly, we've never dug into this book on the Moonshot show before. I think you and I were both surprised.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We feel like uh, we've studied so much of her work. You're like, we left one book out. And the answer is yes, we did. (laughs) But we've had the courage and the vulnerability to admit our fallings and our failures because today, if you are ready to serve others, to lead others, you're now at this point where you need to work on yourself. And it's going to take things like courage. It's going to take ideas of what are your core values and knowing them in the toughest of times. And you're going to have to lead others, not by always being the strongest and the smartest, but being vulnerable, being open, and being honest about where you're at. This is very much part of the book, Dare to Lead, and very much uh, related to being a servant leader. So, Mark, We're digging into one of our favorites. What a great way to spend an hour together. Where do you want to start? Well, look, we know
1: Dead Lead is one of Brené Brand's uh, most well-known and popular books, where she's going to explore the idea of confidence, vulnerability, and courage. Great topics, Mike, that you and I will definitely love to lean into. So let's allow Brené to really kick off the show properly by talking to CBS about vulnerability and why courage is contagious.
2: But I know very few bosses and leaders that think yeah. it's okay to show vulnerability. But you say you can't, be, you can't have courage without vulnerability. What do you mean? You know, it was interesting because I used to spend a lot of time when I'd go into these companies kind of evangelizing about vulnerability. It's important. Then one day I found myself on a military base talking to special forces. And I just asked a simple question. Give me an example of courage that you've seen or witnessed in your life or that you know, you've done yourself that didn't require uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure, which is the definition of vulnerability. Give me a single example of courage that did not require that. And there was just silence until one guy just raised his hand and said, three tours, ma'am. There is no courage without vulnerability. And so now I just ask audiences that simple question. Give me an example of courage that doesn't require uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. You say most people that, think of courage is a personality trait, not a skill. You say it's a skill. It's a skill set. I mean, we've been studying it for, I've been doing this work for 20 years. The last seven years, really looking at courage and leadership specifically four skill sets. Mm-hmm. Can you rumble with vulnerability? Can you stay in tough things when they get uncomfortable and awkward? Or do you tap out? Mm-hmm. Two. Mm -hmm. and and this is a hard one living into your values are you clear about what your values are and have you operationalized those into behaviors do you know what behaviors support your values what don't Mm -hmm. three braving trust can you build trust and be trustworthy Mm -hmm. and the last one which I think was really interesting was learning how to get back up learning how to rise because we found that people are more willing to be courageous up front if they know how to rise. Yeah, I mean that's why, I, sorry John, that's why I called this a masterpiece. <laughs> because to just sum up everything, and then you write courage is contagious. To scale daring leadership and build courage in teams and organizations, we have to cultivate a culture in which brave work, tough conversations, whole hearts the expectation in armor is not unnecessary or rewarded. That's the thing, because people want to know how do we scale this type of behavior. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Courage is incredibly contagious, as is fear, mm-hmm. as we can see. And the world, um, as is scarcity, and so courage is contagious. And we can teach it, we can learn it, we can measure it, and we have to create cultures where being armored all the time is not rewarded behavior.
0: Whoa, 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 Brittany <laughs> Brown, dropping wisdom! What a great kickoff for the show, Mark. Let's start with this idea. She's attaching courage with vulnerability, but when I say to you, imagine a courageous person, Mm. you Mm. imagine someone who's strong and full of conviction and purpose and drive and full of armor. But what she's putting next to the courage is this idea of vulnerability, Mm. fragile, um, uncertain. Mm. So I find myself like – That's already challenging in and of itself, isn't it? When she says to you, oh, no, it's about being vulnerable. And she she had like a Marine who'd been on like three tours and he's like, it's all about vulnerability, which is so funny because I think courageous, we could interchange with the word strong or confident, but actually courageous is really about vulnerable and imperfect, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it, I think at this point of the show and of the work that we've dug into with, with Brenna, there's clearly a differentiation between courage and confidence. Yeah. You know, confidence, you can be uh, like a duck. There's no – nothing sticks to you, so to speak. But with courage, you can be very, very – You you can reveal the nerves, can't you? Yes. You know, vulnerable is a little bit – and Mike, I'm going to go a little bit out there and say this – uh, maybe our listeners will be surprised. I would say that David Goggins even can be vulnerable, all the time, because of the the work that we did with Can't Stop Me, uh, where he, you know, reveals you know, having to get back into it. That admission alone is courage, because
0: it showcases that vulnerability, doesn't it? He says. He says often, I'm not the smartest, and I'm not the fastest runner, which is why I have to work even harder yeah so i I think that in itself to
1: me is already surprising and to be honest relieving it's it's a relief because when you do like you say think of let's say arnold schwarzenegger who we've done a show on big burly he goes out there he kind of gets what he wants there's a lot of courage and confidence there but interestingly when we did the show on him i think the vulnerability again came through when he was saying well I was going up against the world, you know. Yes. I wanted to go and get into the president, into the California government race because nobody else had done it before. Again, that vulnerability yes. is coming through, isn't it? Yes. It's a great two-parter that sometimes can be surprising.
0: Yeah, and so I think where she's going is the true strength is not in the confidence but mm. to admit you're lacking it. Yeah, yeah.
1: That, that seems
0: to me to be standing out. Is that, is that where you're leaning as well? The, so the thing for me is that, that like the dot to connect here is that when I say, hey, I'm feeling insecure, unsure, uh, I feel uncertainty to you, this is immediately going, oh, thank God, Mike's feeling it. I am too. <laughs> and I think the courage to, to break the ice and yeah. say, I'm not sure, I don't have the answer, I'm not feeling great, or I'm upset, or whatever it is, you don't have to be yeah. perfect all the time. Because the interesting thing that we continue to learn is you mentioned the Goggins. We've got Brene Brown and many, many others. Talk about the fact that people who realise their potential are those that acknowledge the fear, the self-doubt that they're feeling Mm. and continue anyway. What trips Mm. so many of us up in life is as soon as those rough waters come, as those valleys of darkness come, we're like, we check out, we run away, we avoid, right? And she's saying, no, no, you got to acknowledge. And, you know, I hear in what she says in the second part of that clip is another big theme that we uncovered in the happiness series, which is this is a skill you can develop. So even if you don't have it naturally, you can develop the skill of being vulnerable, admitting to uncertainty and risk, admitting to the fear and the doubt because you know, even recently Goggins admitted that sometimes he's sitting on the corner of his bed looking at his running shoes and he looks at them for like 20 minutes going, somehow finding the will. So he doesn't like jump out of bed like Superman. He's very open. He's like, oh, man, sometimes I just, I don't have it. But, you know, a friend of mine who runs triathlons competitively said, it's all about running well when you're not feeling great. It's all about Mm -hmm. getting out of bed when you're feeling tired. It's all about pushing through it. And I think that's the big thing we've learned. This is a skill you can develop. It's not just for Elon Musk or Brene Brown or Serena Williams. You too can have it. You can work on this as a skill. And it starts by building the trust with those around you and yourself to admit how you're feeling.
1: Mm, How in line, how classic Brene is that insight, Mike? Oh, you know, celebrate vulnerability, open the doors open your arms and have those conversations and you're right that consistency it's, it's what we heard from James C Hunter yep. you know in the book the servant as well yep. it's a muscle that can be trained you just gotta to start today in order to practice and and get better over time.
0: And you 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 when you think about these concepts from Brene Brown, I mean you instantly think like she's a, a relative of Carol Dweck, author of Mindset, yeah. and the sort of queen of the idea of the growth mindset. Because what does a growth mindset do, do? Continuous learning, working on skills, admitting that you're not perfect, overcoming failure. These are all the things that will help you be better and help you lead others. I tell you what, I mean, you get so excited, you'd almost want to subscribe to the Moonshots podcast, wouldn't you?
1: Well, I mean, you know, Mike, I must admit to be vulnerable for a second, I do have you know, a very soft spot in my heart for all of our Moonshots Master Series members, all of our subscribers and Patreones who dial in and listen in every single day and week. So please welcome in as always, Bob, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Lisa, and Sid. Mr. Bonjour, Paul, Berg, and Cowman. Joe, Christian, Samuela, and Barbara. Andre, Chris, Deborah, and Lasse, Steve, and Craig. Daniel, Andrew, Ravi, Yvette, Karen, Raoul, Nicaragua, and Ingram. Dirk, Harry, Venkata, Marco, Jet, Roger, and Steph. All of you guys. Annual plus members. Thank you guys so much for listening in and supporting the Moonshot Show every single week. But also, very, very close to joining those clubs are raw Nimelen, James, and Diana, Wade, Christoph, Denise, Laura, Smitty, Kay, uh, uh, Corey, Gayla, Bertram, Daniela, Mike, Dan, and Antonio. Zachary, Austin, Fred and Lorenz, Ola, Andy, as well as our latest member, Diana. Mike, it actually has gotten to a point where I stumble over the names. We have so many people. <laughs> You're going to have to learn to take a deeper breath at the beginning so we can get through them all, right? I need to do my Wim Hof's breathing. But guys, thank you so much for your ongoing, continual support of The Moonshot
0: Show. Thank you so much indeed. And um, one of the things that you have done is extended your trust in us. And that's good news because we got some thoughts on trust from Brené Brown.
1: Well, Mike, one of the key lessons within Dead Lead is this acronym around the seven pillars of trust. Without me revealing it for our listeners, let's let Brené Brown do the work for us and hear about the BRAVING acronym.
2: I found a definition from Charles Feltman that I think is the most beautiful definition I've ever heard. And it's simply this, trust is choosing to make something important to you, vulnerable to the actions of someone else. And I think I do know what trust is. And I put together an acronym, BRAVING. B-R-A-V-I-N-G, BRAVING. Because when we trust, we are braving connection with someone. So what are the parts of trust B, boundaries. I trust you if you are clear about your boundaries, and you hold them, and you're clear about my boundaries, and you respect them. There is no trust without boundaries. R, reliability. I can only trust you if you do what you say you're going to do, and not once. Reliability. Let me tell you what reliability is in research terms. We're always looking for things that are valid and reliable a reliable scale is a scale that if I got on it a hundred times it's gonna say the same thing every time so what reliability is is you do what you say you're going to do over and over and over again you cannot gain and earn my trust if you're reliable once because that's not the definition of reliability in our working lives Reliability means that we have to be very clear on our limitations so we don't take on so much that we come up short and don't deliver on our commitments. In our personal life, it means the same thing. A. Huge accountability. I can only trust you if when you make a mistake, you are willing to own it, apologize for it, and make amends. No accountability, no trust. V. And this one shook me to the core, vault. What I share with you, you will hold in confidence. What you share with me, I will hold in confidence. We don't understand the other side of the vault. That's only one door on the vault. Here's where we lose trust with people. I, integrity. I cannot trust you and be in a trusting relationship with you if you do not act from a place of integrity and encourage me to do the same. Here's what I think integrity is, three pieces. It's choosing courage over comfort, choosing what's right over what's fun, fast, or easy, and practicing your values, not just professing your values. In non-judgment, I can fall apart, ask for help, and be in struggle without being judged by you, and you can fall apart and be in struggle and ask for help without being judged by me, which is really hard because we're better at helping than we are asking for help. The last one is G generosity. our relationship is only a trusting relationship if you can assume the most generous thing about my words, intentions, and behaviors and then check in with me
0: gosh that was almost like four agreements uh, from Don Miguel. Yeah. yes I mean it was like a way to live life, oh my gosh like mm. the commandments from Brene herself but um I think if we just pause here, there was so much I mean maybe we could have just done the whole show breaking down this this yeah. acronym, but I think a lot of those you know i'm I'm looking at the list here boundaries, reliability, accountability, the vault, the integrity the non judgment the generosity. I think what's fun for us to do, mark, is to pick one of these that is perhaps a little newer to us on the show. Mm-hmm maybe a theme that we haven't covered. So which one would you like to pick if we were to do a bit of a deep dive on one of these? Where, which well, one stands out? Well, I think we, we have probably
1: lent into and dug into the concepts around maybe boundaries as well as reliability before on the show and accountability is obviously yeah. a big, yeah. big one, yeah. particularly Patrick Lencioni. So, Mike, as I work through the, the seven, I mean the vault, You know, Brené says it shook her to the core. I don't know whether we've necessarily dug into this concept around trust, vulnerability before this idea of, uh, let's call it secret keeping. I think it can be better said than that. The idea of, you know, sharing and holding things in confidence with others. I mean, it's so intrinsically linked, I think, to servant leadership. That one to me seems like the one that kind of stands out. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think. Um, I try to think of a moment where the vault comes alive at work and in life. And I think the first thing is when someone says to us, now listen, I didn't tell you this, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or, hey, someone told me this. Now you can't tell them I told you, but. Yeah. But. And I think there's a couple of things here. I think let's do the easy one first. Like. When people are saying stuff like that too, I think I need to be better at saying, well, then don't tell me. Yeah. I don't yeah. need to know. know. You know, um, and the second thing, and more serious, I think, is when we find ourselves, when I say to someone, hey, guess what Mark told me the other day? Now, you've got to promise you won't tell him, but yeah. he said this. And... um I think what we have to realise that there's two parts of the vault. The one is if someone told you something mm. in confidence, then you don't have the right to share. Even when you do say, like saying, "Don't tell them I told you," that that ain't getting you out of jail here. But here's the other. Yeah, thing. that's not a get out of jail free card, is it? <laughs> so here's the other thing. So let's imagine someone told me something very confidential and say, "Hey, Mike, guess what?" And I told mm. you actually think about it like this. You're going to start going, well, I might have second thoughts the next time I tell Mike something because he's mm-hmm. telling me everything. He shouldn't be telling me about Joe blogs across the road. Yeah. So there's, a, I think, I think if you're not careful, what you do is you degrade the level of trust you have, even with those that you're sharing with as opposed to mm-hmm. those whose confidence you are sharing with others. So it's actually – when you put it all together, it's like a bad situation to get in when you're like telling everyone everything and not holding and respecting the confidence of things that you might know, understand, or, or see, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I think you, you've said it really, really well. It's a topic that obviously we haven't necessarily dug into too much, but it's so, it reveals so much about individuals. It would reveal so much if I was in a leadership situation and I was to share with a colleague or a direct report, maybe let's call it gossip hmm. or a little bit of news that maybe somebody else has entrusted to me. Maybe it's from one direct report into me and I'm sharing it with another direct report, something that they've been vulnerable about. Immediately, they would probably look at me and think, or at least you know, hear from me and believe, oh, this is going to put me off being completely open with this individual, yeah. this leader. Because now I don't know how much they're going to share on to the rest of the business. And I think Mike, that that's a fair situation. I've certainly been in positions in my career where somebody will come to me with information that fundamentally probably needs to be shared. So the way I get around that, and I think where Brene might be leaning towards with the concept of the vault is having transparency. You know, if there is a topic that has been shared with me as an individual that relates to maybe the business, relates to, let's call it, the performance of somebody else, whatever it might be, I would always try and look towards having a conversation with that individual who shared it with me and say to them, I hear you, I understand, I need to, or I would like to go and take this X, Y, or Z and and build on this. Are you comfortable? Because I think that is a way of protecting and." preserving the vulnerability from the individual, from the direct report who's raising the problem, while also putting yourself in a position where you can make a little bit of a change. I think that's certainly something that I've seen in, in my career. Do you, are there any instances where the vaults kind of kicked in for you?
0: Yeah, I, I'm thinking about like how to how to kind of build a few rules for myself around Mm. respecting the vault of confidentiality and i think the first thing that comes to mind um is if you're not sure uh, like for example if i was about to share some information with you about a third person i think the instant test is imagine if they were in the room would you actually share the information (laughs) Well, that that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What else? What are some other ways of trying to like navigate this sensitive?
1: Well, I I think there's always that great terminology, and maybe we've even heard it on the show before. Say, uh, if you're going to talk about others, put yourself in their shoes. Would I want the same thing being said about me? Right. And what I mean by that is, if I now remove. The uh, individual, like a direct report, who's come mm-hmm. to me or us with a problem, and instead it's individuals behind, um, you know, your back talking about you or whatever. That's an immediate flag. I think you don't want to share, or you shouldn't share, you know, gossip as we would call it, to our colleagues or our family and friends, depending on the situation, because it's going to probably hurt if it gets back to them. Yeah, for me, that's certainly kind of like a big no-no. At the same time, though, I think there is the benefit for being open. And I think actually there's an opportunity maybe for vulnerability to actually come through when you do have those type of discussions with others. Mm. You can share your concerns, your frustrations maybe with others. And I think there is a, a role to play there.
0: Yeah. So so in order to do that, I think practically speaking, you could be raising a concern without divulging specifics. So I'm concerned Mm. for someone. I don't want to get into the details, but Mm. I do have a level of concern. If someone is probing or pushing for uh, details that you feel are confidential, I think the crucial thing is to redirect. I'm not comfortable sharing that information. I wouldn't want that information shared about me, so I'm not in a position to share that. And anyway, let's work out how we can help them. For example, that's a great redirect. And I think more than anything, it's also like know who you're with and set those boundaries. And I think the other thing is be super careful when professional situations in the office on Friday night after work move Mm. to the bar. This is where you need to just be like, hang on, okay, remember my rules. Just because we're all having a drink doesn't mean that I can just go carte blanche, right?
1: Yeah, doesn't provide permission. And I, and I think you're right, Mike, where this, again, really stands out to me as I'm thinking about what we've learned with servant leadership, thinking about what we've uncovered on the Moonshot Show. Again, I'm, I'm coming back to the word accountability. Yes. You know, if you are going to be in this situation of trust where somebody has been vulnerable with you, you need to make sure you hold yourself accountable to, you know, if you tell them, and the information leaks out. Hey, that's on you. That's that's, right. that's something you've done wrong here. And do you remember? That-
0: do you remember that there was the clip that we had from the Joe Rogan show, where mm. with accountability he said, "Imagine there's a documentary crew following you twenty four 7 and that immediately make it okay. Okay, what what the hell am I doing? Yeah, what I'm do looking, I need to do differently? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And another great one. I I can't remember who said it to me. Is imagine what you did today is on the front cover of the newspaper tomorrow, oh, yeah. and your grandma's reading
1: it. Oh yeah, and I you'd be like, I, I, oh, I, I don't want to
0: know I did that. Oh, that was a bit. <laughs> So I think where we're going with this is specifically there's a whole formula, you know, head over to moonshots.io if you want to like dig deeper into the show notes and get all the links to these kind of things. But from braving, we're really just pulling out the vault here. So there is so much inside of Dare to Lead, but holding and respecting the confidence that people give information to you means that they will do it in return to you. And I think that is the big breakthrough. So... We're on a rip-roaring journey, Mark, into the work of Brené Brown. We've smashed through two clips. We've got another two to go. And just as a reminder, what is that destination again? If you want to go deep on Brené Brown and this whole servant leadership theme, where should people well, look?
1: I mean, I, th- I think, Mike, it's, it, we don't even need an acronym, which is the good news. But for all of our listeners, members, as well as first-time uh, listeners into the Moonshot Show, Pop on over to www.moonshots.io. You can find all 249 episodes. You can find a link to go and sign up and become a member to access even more jam-packed episodes on the Moonshots Master Series. You can check out transcripts, show notes, reading lists, as well as the up-and-coming episode list. And in fact, Mike, even better than that, you can also get in touch with us. Send us your recommendations. Send us your thoughts your feedback, um, hopefully your love. But at the end of the day, just share whatever you like. We're always going to take a look and always respond. So moonshots.io.
0: Absolutely. And now I think it's, you know, if we didn't turn up the heat enough at the beginning, we're going into the Swedish sauna. We're going to turn <laughs> up the heat a little bit more. We're going to get into core values. And core values, they're so nice to talk about on the luxury and time mm. and space of a podcast. But actually, it's all when the you-know-what hits the fan. It's when things get serious. It's when it's the buzzer beater. It's the last minute of the game. And you are under pressure and you have to deliver results. In life, that comes down to when adversity comes your way. Will you walk the talk or will you be falling short? And Brené Brown has some thoughts here.
1: I think, Mike, let's dive straight in and hear four-minute books. Help us understand and narrow down the core values to get you through adversity.
3: One factor Brene determined as incredibly beneficial to good leadership is having clarity about your values. Values are the human ideals we consider as most important in our lives. Some examples of values are courage, freedom, justice, kindness, discipline, family, and honesty. People who know what their values are have an easier time dealing with adversity. They can let their values guide them. They're something to hold on to in dark and difficult times. They allow you to be resilient and do what's necessary. But while making a list of your values is a simple exercise, Brene adds a caveat to their effectiveness. If you really want your values to guide you well, focus on only two of them. Prioritizing two values above all others gives you a specific ideal to turn to when the going gets tough. It's easy to compile 15 great values, but when you tell yourself all of them matter, you'll end up prioritizing none of them. Picking two values is a lot harder, but it'll pay off. I think mine would be honesty and self-control.
0: So I I like the prodding that we're getting here about Mm. values. I like the, the double prod of know them and know them well in times of adversity, what I like to do, and I'm going to steal one from Michelle Obama here, is to write them as uh, like living things, like mantras, things that I would do, habits that I would embody. And the one that I really liked from her is, when they go low, we go high. And I just love the idea that when people around you are blaming, judging, or whatever. She's like, uh uh-uh, uh, when they're going low, I'm going high. Take the high road. Don't fall mm. down to their level. This, this taking your core value and making it memorable like mm. a mantra is one step further than just saying, I'm about freedom or I'm about truth. Or whatever yours are, I think transferring them into daily mantras, like, I will do an act of kindness every single day. That's like really good. I will walk 30 minutes a day. I will read one page in a book every single day, which is a nod to continuous learning. The point that I'm really riffing off here is yes, know your values, know them in adversity. If you really want to recall them, they have to be. Memorable, like one of mine is rest, recover, rejuvenate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, You're I'm. Uh, when they go low, right? You gotta. It's got to be things like you can really get it in there and recall it when you need it.
1: Yeah, it's got to be snappy, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, for me, Mike, I was just going through the the mantras and the values that I have as well. This one always stands out to me. Replace fear of the unknown with curiosity.
0: Yeah, You know, oh, this, awesome. this idea of
1: growth, yes, this idea of always, always learning. But also the big one for me is uh, patience, you know, and I don't necessarily mean patience with maybe others and collaboration, but it's the idea that all things are difficult before they actually become easy. Oh. So the idea of working on something and getting better and better, again, maybe in line with James C. Hunter with behavior as a muscle, but these values, Mike, distilling them down and i'm sure you know you and i both have many many more mantras and values as well of course but how do you respond to knowing the shows we've done on ikigai shows we've done on you know um, Sun Sinek and the reason why to hear Brené now telling us okay well let's just distill it down to maybe two what's your what's your gut instinct there do you think maybe two is too
0: few um look i'm a fan of the idea of like not building some mega list that you can't really remember mm. any of them, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I would say my spin off would be may- maybe focus on two for a week and then do another two the following week, right? Mm. Because I think it's, I mean, it's a little bit hard to get life into two mantras or two values. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that good. Um, <laughs> but I think that the point here is like, can you really – I mean, I, I want you to imagine for all of our listeners and viewers and members. I want you to imagine someone sat down with you and said, "All right, tell me about your values. Explain each of them to you to me." And I want you to imagine if you were put in that hot seat right now, you'd probably like have to start going, "Uh, well, be kind." You'd you know, and that. That test for active recall, for me, like here's the big discovery. If I can't just say priority number one is sleep, start every day like it's a new life, yeah, go high when they go low. If I can't bam, bam, bam like that, then they are Mm. not truly embodied in me and if they're not embodied in me, when tough times coming, I'll be like, You know those plays on the sports field where you see a team that's only got 30 seconds to make a play and they're just disorganized and they haven't Mm. prepared enough, so they fumble it and it doesn't work out. Compared Mm. to like Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl on the weekend, he just went length of the field to win the game for them and you just knew it. He was going to do it. He was prepared. He was ready. He had embodied what he was all about. Now, my point here is this. If you don't have the capacity without any prompts to get out at least half of your values, without the list, without the thing on your phone, just to talk about them, if you don't have them, they're not embodied. You don't know them, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I think where we're going with this, Mike, is practice, you know, once you've done it enough, once you've really instilled those values, it kind of becomes part of you, doesn't it? That it does. instant recall, as you're saying, is, a pr- is proof that it is part of your your makeup now, your DNA. Yep. Much like having a need to go and breathe, if yep. you can remember them, they're going to be instilled within you all the time. So and that's where you're going to lean on in the situations like Brene was telling us about.
0: So it's exactly the same when someone says to you, hey, Mark, what are your goals for the year? And you're like, you've got to be able to say, I'm going to walk or run 50Ks a week. I'm going to do the half marathon Mm -hmm. in the middle of the year. I'm going to save this much Mm -hmm. money. Like boom, boom, boom. If you can't reply on your goals, just like you couldn't answer ad hoc active recall of what are your values, It's a great Mm. learning moment. It means you've got work to do to learn them, to embody them. I mean, I try to write once a month Mm. about one of my values, if not more, right? And Mm. even though I might be Mm. like writing stuff that I've written before, I'm like going to the values gymnasium right there. I am working (laughs) that muscle because when things come for me, when I'm really busy, I'm traveling the world and doing events and doing podcasts, working with clients and launching products. Sometimes you can get a little lost, so you need to be able to fall back on your values.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you're totally right. Well, Mike, I mean, that's already standing out so much to me, particularly in this Servant Leadership Series, this idea of really understanding yourself. It's a reminder, isn't it? We have to get the house in order For ourselves before we can expect the house to be in order for others.
0: You can't lead unless you're able to lead yourself, can you? That's right. That's so true. So true. Mm -hmm. So we haven't we Mm -hmm. haven't finished the Brene Brown Dare to Lead story yet. I think we could do with a little inspiration. We've gone into our valley of darkness Mm -hmm. to learn that we need to have the values, right? We need to be Mm -hmm. respecting confidentialities. We know that we have to be courageous, we have to be vulnerable, but it's all in service of something, isn't it, Mark?
1: Oh yeah, that's right, Mike, that's right. I mean, if there's anything that we've really understood and our listeners and members are really diving into with servant leadership, it's the power that we have over others and the empathy that we can show. So let's hear from Brené Brown, again, inspiring us, as she always does with the work that she's done and the research she's bringing to us. Let's understand a little bit more from Brené around the power that each of us have as a leader and how we can all go out and inspire one another and others each day.
2: 85% of the men and women I've interviewed over the last 15 years can remember a shaming incident at school that was so devastating, it forever changed how they thought of themselves as learners. So let's do this. Raise your hand if you're in here and you can think about something that happened to you in school that changed how you thought of yourself. Right, because here's the other statistic. Over 90% of the people, the men and women we've interviewed can remember a specific teacher, coach, or administrator who made them believe in their self-worth when no one else did. How many of you remember that teacher or that coach or that administrator? So what does that mean? So, you know, so the question teachers always say, well does that mean like they were doing more good or harm or what's happening? It doesn't, I mean, what it means, and let me tell you, you can be the same person. What it means is do not ever question the power you have with the people you teach. Learning is inherently vulnerable And it's like you've got a classroom full of turtles without shells. And the minute they put the shell back on, they're protected from their peers or from the teacher or from whomever, but no learning can come in because no vulnerability, no learning.
0: Wow. She really pulls it all together there for us. I mean, Mm -hmm. what she's really showing us is we have a choice to understand how our belief in others can totally transform them. And and that it was so powerful. She talked about, do you remember that teacher that believed in you, who helped you, mm-hmm. who, who really gave you the feeling of, hey, I can do this. We don't mm-hmm. forget those teachers. I mean, geez, I'm 48 and I can remember the teachers where I had those moments at school, right? And I right. see those moments for my son where I see teachers who believed in him, how they've really helped him grow. But here's the thing we all have this power. We all have this opportunity because honestly, whether we're like part of a sports team in a community group at home or at work, these are all moments where everybody's learning and figuring it all out. So we have the chance to say, I believe in you. I know you can do it. It's hard right now, but keep going because I face the same challenges in my life to know that every moment is a learning moment and your support can be a difference maker, that really gets us to the crucible of servant leadership, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I I think you're totally right, Mike. And it's such a wonderful summation of what we've learned so far. Obviously, we're not done quite yet with the servant leadership series, but you're right, there's so much that we've already garnered From a skill perspective, but also just an awareness perspective. I think that's the main thing that strikes me as we've dug into Brené today, this idea that we can not only, as James C. Hunter would say, all be leaders, but we all have such a lasting impact. Yeah, What I think is very easy to forget when we're in the hustle and bustle of productivity with work
0: is that some of the conversations that we have will have a lasting effect. Absolutely. And you know, Mark, the thing is what I notice is when you approach a work moment or conversation as if you are a coach or a mentor or a teacher, you instantly stop being as judgmental towards the person. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, how thick is this person? Do they not get it yet? You're like, okay, let's try again. Maybe let's do it a different mm-hmm. way. You notice how like as soon as you like embody that you know, one of your favorite teachers from school. Yeah. Once you embody that, you 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 move away from judgment because once you judge, in mm-hmm. you're angry, you're frustrated, you don't want to help anymore. They're thick as a brick, you know that kind of thing. Mm. Whereas mm. if you just say, "Hey, I'm here to to teach," right? Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a, there's a real permission, and I think the permission is to prioritize the inspiration that you can do for others. You can make sure to help them excel in their Mm -hmm. situation. And in doing so, even though it might not feel like you're excelling yourself, in doing so, you you actually are. You're building that pattern of servant leadership. You're building that pattern of empathy and you're building the relationships that you have around you to the extent where you can be trusted,
0: be vulnerable and inspire confidence in others. It's such a wonderful tail end of a story, isn't it? It is. So we've been braving, we've been raving together here about Brené Brown, but what is the homework assignment? What's the big takeaway for Mark Pearson Freeland?
1: Well, I think that the BRAVING acronym is is particularly valuable and I think it's quite easy as well to refer back to it, Mike, but for me it's the core values. You know, once again, this element of core values being so you know, immediately accessible when it's needed, I think is very, very important. And the invitation, I suppose, that Brené is giving us is to narrow it down so that you can focus. So for me, my homework, think about my values, think about any of the fat maybe that I can trim and actually work on really prioritizing my behavior around those key sets. What about you? What's what's really standing out for you at the tail end of Dare to Mm. Lead?
0: I mean, I did like the reminder on the vault. So I think I need, I mean, that's just something that Mm. I have to admit, like I I don't like think of that so consciously. Maybe Mm. like I would like to think that I'm not spilling the beans to everyone.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. We'll have to to ask our listeners. listeners.
0: But I'm like, I think I need to go think about this, like, because I I just don't think yeah. about it. Um, so I, I've got my homework assignment. You've got yours, mm-hmm. and I want to thank you, Mark, for joining me here on the Moonshots Podcast, where we've taken a huge dive. We've turned up the heat for show 249 for Brené Brown's book, Dare to Lead, an absolute. Moonshot's classic and it started with this idea of courage and that it's, it's absolutely contagious and I'd hope, I really do hope that courage is courageous as well. So put it all together and we are on the way to leading and daring to lead in servant leadership. And there are the seven pillars, the braving that we need to digest and manifest. And without the core values, we're not going to get through the adversity, but do these things and you will not only give yourself a boost, but those around you. And what a way to go. So whether you're a listener, viewer or member, join us as we learn out loud together, as we dare to lead, because if you dare to lead, you truly will be the best version of yourself. That's a wrap for the Moonshots podcast.